to Quarentia in Conversation. Q Conversations are chances for me, Mark Mennell, to talk about things that matter with people who care about them. During a stay last week at the Labrie Fellowship in Hampshire, I had the privilege of meeting Jaap and Carlo van Hoosden. Jaap is a Dutch filmmaker with a great reputation for making thoughtful, provocative and beautiful films. And uh, we spent a very happy hour at the weekend sitting around a fire just chatting about all kinds of different things, including and especially his latest film, The New World, which uh, I won't even attempt to give its Dutch name. And um, a few of us were able to, to see it in preview last week, and it's going to be on Dutch TV in April this year. And it's set in an immigration processing centre at Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam, and tackles with, I think, what can only be described as a sparing beauty, crucial questions and issues of human grief, justice, hope, and grace especially as seen through the two main characters from completely different backgrounds, one African, one European, but both united by having been widowed and dealing with their grief and experiences. Yeah, you've been a filmmaker for many years. Can you remember a particular film that you saw and you thought as you were watching it, that's what I want to do? Um, yeah, I remember uh, one film, uh, it's a film by Lars von Trier, uh, that we just talked about, and uh, it's a film called Breaking the Waves, Mm -hmm. and uh, after I saw it uh, with with my best friend in the cinema, uh, I had a very strong headache, because the, the, the experience was so powerful, and um and and then i after that film i thought there's something here that is in the narrative but also individual individuals and the, just the combination of image and poetry and emotions that i thought uh, i was already making these little films mm-hmm. but it it gave a, a kind of a new direction yeah i mean would you say that earlier photography was a key interest because uh, you mentioned visuals and right well when I was uh, <coughs> just a boy I was already I had my Nikon camera or actually I started out with the Minolta and because my father he had all these cameras mm-hmm. and he provided me with whatever I needed which was amazing because he, uh, even when I was I think seven so he or, could or see eight, some sort of visual thing in he, he, he uh, saw that I uh, uh, liked it and he encouraged that and later on, he told me that when I was uh, I was not a very good cyclist at a young age. So then I would take one of his cameras. That he actually he, he didn't have a, like a, a big job. So he had really saved up to buy that camera. But he gave it to me, and then he saw me kind of wobble away <laughs> on a bicycle, and he really afraid that the camera would survive. <laughs> but I, I still think that's amazing that he let me uh, mm. go off with it. Yeah. Have you got the um, pictures you took from that? Uh, probably somewhere, but yeah. when I look back at the pictures that I took when I was a, a kid, uh, it's just, it's not very good, actually. Mm. So what makes a good picture? I'm not sure. But uh, one of the things that I, I learned that there, there's a big difference between um, 
pictures that are still and mm-hmm. pictures that are uh, moving. Mm-hmm. So w- when we prepare a shooting, oftentimes uh, a lot of the um, inspiration comes from still pictures. But then when you transfer that uh, to your exact frame mm-hmm. in the in the film camera, um, it isn't really working out that well, at least in the kind of film that I try to make, where the narrative is very important. Uh, important and where, where uh, the the um, the style or the, the st- what do you call it this the way you st- you st- stylize or mm-hmm. the film it it comes from the characters right. rather than it's uh, an imposed view uh, that kind of is so they'll set the mood the atmosphere right way. yeah and and so then uh, it what's nice about the motion is that it uh, brings uh, life mm. and uh, a, s- a still photo just has these this frozen quality mm. and and you can go back to it and look at it and reflect and it, uh, it becomes almost a meditation mm. but but um, film works in a slightly different way somehow so mm. you cannot just frame your perfect still photo and then make a scene out of that and then of course there's a lot of films that prove that it can actually be done mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah but I noticed for instance um, looking at the new world it's very visual I mean there and there are moments of real stillness there mm-hmm. that are not quite photographic but, but mm-hmm. you have just this sense of atmosphere you know um, the main character might be looking out of the window or something and it's very much part of the narrative that she's doing that but there is almost a photographic quality there mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah. Um, or, or even uh, the, 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 the scenes of her on the moped going to work, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's almost like a moving photograph mm. because it's just her sort of fairly mm. upright on mm-hmm. the moped. Mm-hmm. Um, it struck me as, as quite a sort of photographic and very visual. Although you're right, the, the narrative is what drives it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it might also be that I don't see uh, what I make in the in the right way. Because uh, it, it's it's interesting that, uh, for example, the last film, so the New World, my, my uh, DP, the director mm-hmm. of photography, and I, we really wanted to go back to this mere filmmaking, mm-hmm. just very simple, yep. no big style things that were happening, and uh, and so one of the things that we were frustrated about when we were shooting, it was that it was just so plain and uh, and uh, oh shouldn't we uh, no no because it's a simple story and we're going to tell it simply and but then when you show it to the first audiences they're struck by um some some visual strength and some of it is uh, symmetric and and Mm. so it's strange that we have this idea that we're (laughs) really moving away from kind of uh, photographic machismo uh, yeah. but uh, maybe we're just stuck with ourselves so well I, I, it it doesn't get in, it doesn't, didn't seem to me in any way to intrude or, or get in the way but it um but it there's a sort of pairing back a sort of distillation sometimes you know the the image of her uh, walking down the corridor that's very bright at the mm. end mm. And there's a there's a narrative behind that. Yeah, of course. That yeah. image. Yeah. Um, but because it is spare, it, it really does um, make its point very powerfully. Um, it's interesting. I, I was just wondering, you know, 
I, I, maybe you don't have a sort of um, a standard way of doing things, but in the process of creating, I wonder whether, say, um, you start with a character or or a theme or um, a context, mm. and then it just sort of blossoms out of that. Or, or I mean, is it variable every time? It 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 tends to be variable, mm-hmm. but in my uh, case, uh, it's oftentimes that I I really am. Um, what do you call it, uh, taken in, or I'm, I'm really inspired by uh, the arena. Mm. So, for example, my last uh, feature film, which was uh, Win Win, this, this kind of financial uh, campus. So, I mean, in, here in London you have the, um, the city, mm-hmm. but also um, Canary Wharf. Yep. And, and geographically, they're, they're very small pieces yep. relatively of the earth, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just a couple of square kilometers. Yeah. But uh, it, the intensity of it is enormous. Uh, it's like a pressure cooker where all these young talents are scouted from all over the world. And, they're, and, and, and then the influence of yeah. it, it cannot be overestimated. Mm, mm. So then you have this sense that, ah, I haven't seen a lot of films that uh, really capture the energy of that place. Mm. And uh, so when I entered into that specific world... I met all the machos and all the guys that were making the money and then the burnouts that wanted to uh, badmouth it and, mm. and all of that. But So all of that was not yet a story and also not the characters because I somehow felt that, that uh, if we would show that... You, there's a lot of films that were made in like the boiler room. You see people that are part of that mm-hmm. and... And it's very hard to in, enter into that reality because we condemn it uh, because these guys, they uh, lost our money, right? Yeah, yeah. And so how do you enter this world? So then, then I, I uh, so, and then slowly, as I did a lot of research in this world, I had the idea that it had to be somebody like me actually doing my research who was, whoa, mm. uh, come again, explain it once more. I'm too stupid to mm-hmm. grasp the concept of what you're doing. And so I wanted a, just a, a guy that was um, a little bit, what do you call it, blue? Mm-hmm. Would, would, uh, like a baby, a little bit... Uh, yeah, sort of fresh, green. Fresh, green. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Green, not blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then it, it worked that way. And in the, the new world, it was also uh, the arena mm. that I thought was... It's very tragic, of course, that we have these centers. But when you when you read uh, Kafka, for example, and you think, "Wow, these these worlds that he creates are really outrageous in that they're so um, real and mm. surreal at the same time." Mm. And then you just in your own country, you walk into a place, or first you hear about it, and then you try you try to get into it, and it's just taken from this. Mm. Kafka novel. Mm. So then I, I have this desire to do something with it. And I then mean, that's the scary thing about Kafka is how much of the 20th century <laughs> seems to have <laughs> yeah. gone according to his right. script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he really was a prophet in some sense, wasn't mm. he? Yeah. And, I mean, the new world is about um, sort of immigration and people coming from all over the world to Europe, mm-hmm. uh, to the Netherlands particularly. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, it's a very political subject, mm. and yet, you know, when we were discussing it the mm. other night, one of the interesting things is is that the politics is actually it's all there, but it's not on the surface. So how, you know, you you were telling a story, mm-hmm. and yet there there are things about 
the the context of that that are both tragic, heartbreaking, and infuriating. Mm. So, how do you get the the right balance between you know wanting to really invest, investigate, and explore this problem, mm-hmm. but also tell a human story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really the the thing that I uh, that is the, the it's the toughest. And in this case, it took uh, time because the first idea for the script was there in 2005. Then I got some financing to to do the script in 2006. And that came out of a particular experience writing that, wasn't it? Right, yeah, yeah. uh, We had uh, one of these... um, um, It's slightly different than the center in the film. It's where when, when the immigrants are refused, they have to wait until they're sent back. So it's a little bit more of a jail and it burned down. And um, the guy that was um, in under Amsterdam. investigation, yeah, in Amsterdam, next to Schiphol Airport, the the Libyan guy that that would be prosecuted because he started the fire, he was just released uh, the day before yesterday. Huh. So after an investigation that you know lasted a, a long time, but I was just furious uh, that uh, such a thing could happen in a, a so-called civilized. Mm. country and uh, and a lot of anger went into that uh, script so in that sense I, I, I believe that there, it's possible to make uh, political films but I'm not sure if I would be very good at it why do you say that? because it's just if there's too much of me of what I think or, or film is not I think film is not not uh, is, it's not the right medium to um, preach mm-hmm. maybe one day it was when people were not uh, yet used to the vocabulary I'm not really sure but now the the viewer he is uh, really sensitive mm-hmm. and he has he has a big vocabulary because mm-hmm. he has seen all mm-hmm. these films mm-hmm. from way back and, mm-hmm. and so he's very um, what do you call it educated mm-hmm. and so uh, he's not gonna uh, uh, buy your uh, crap if you will feed him. So, in yes. other words, so he can spot manipulation a mile Yes, yeah. yeah, a mile away. Mm. And uh, and that is very good, I think. So you, you don't... I mean, of course, there is a, a game in which I can be subtle and, f- and feed you or le- lead you a little bit astray. And then... So th- this is all part of the game of, of, of watching and leaving room for the, for the uh, viewer to invest himself. Um, so do you think you're more... A provoker than a preacher. No. Do you, do you want me to come away and think about immigration? <clears throat> well, that is where it starts, but I really have to uh, leave that uh, behind. So uh, further on in the pro uh, process, I'm just only involved in the characters, mm. and I want to be. Uh, it's very. It's very cool that uh, one of the uh, people that mentors me as a writer, she's called Helena van der Meulen, she's a screenwriter and uh, of course you have these agonizing sessions with all sorts of people uh, uh, reading your script and giving you feedback mm. and sometimes it's it's really good stuff and you can immediately use it sometimes you just have to grind your teeth, make no- take notes and just try to forget about it and um, she she has always helped me because she says, at the end of the day, the only one that you have to um, that you're responsible to, you're held responsible to, is your your character. And maybe it's a bit of a, a frightening thought or a 
very postmodern thought in a sense because you can also say you're the author so you, you will be held responsible for your views but when you're engaged in this uh, dialogue with your characters they become very um, well, they get real their own. yes and mm. when they lead you of course I'm there I can still say that 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 is that's not the right way to go because then we will be telling a completely immoral uh, story but I tend to um, not try and have too much of an of an overview at that point of the story mm. and that is really also when uh, um, we, we have this word in uh, Dutch los zingen which means singing yourself uh, loose from mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. and so the story starts to drift from my um, from my um, intentions that I had in the first place mm -hmm. and this is actually what needs to happen mm -hmm. because otherwise it, it, it can become this kind of a rigid structure to broadcast maybe my views mm -hmm. and it's not very interesting if I can uh, if I can uh, put my my message oftentimes uh, it's very annoying <coughs> these uh, journalists they come up and they ask me uh, tell me what the film is about in uh, in uh, one or two sentences mm -hmm. And I always tell them, if I could do it in two sentences, I would have given you the two sentences and not bothered mm. uh, giving up two years of my life and uh, a million euros to do it in 90 minutes of film. Mm. Because it's ridiculous. Mm. Mm. And so it takes time to, to move away from, from the simple uh, agenda to the full-blown... Uh, But you, you've also made documentaries, am I right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And... That strikes me as a whole area of, of film that is more, um, well, not so much preachy, but definitely designed to provoke and inform um, and, and generate some sort of response, presumably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a specific type of documentary that, is now, uh, that now has become very popular, that does that. But there's also the, uh, the, like the author driven documentary that that is more a work of art and um, so I'm not gonna say that the film in the end it will not reflect something of me or mm. of the uh, thoughts um, during one of the Q&A's at the Rotterdam uh, Film Festival some, somebody told me that uh, it was a very angry uh, film still and I was shocked because I thought that in this seven or eight years I I'd gotten rid of most of that and that now it was light enough and also mm. funny when it needed to be but this person uh, was really in touch with maybe the anger that was there in the first place that is always possible hopefully that it will work like that but I mean you say eight years on one project I mean how do you <laughs> how do you keep going <laughs> I mean do you have other things you do yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Side? so I mean so this project I started uh, long before win-win uh, and so then oh, really? uh, the okay. not so good script was there it didn't get financed I was really pissed off because it, it was my most brilliant piece ever <laughs> in my in my humble opinion back then of course, of course. and uh, and then uh, different projects c come along mm -hmm. and sometimes you just a project also dies sometimes it's very tough it, it, and it doesn't get <laughs> resurrected mm. And um, but sometimes you you have to revive something because mm -hmm. so it was an Afghan in the first place because we had this wave of Afghans coming mm. because of the war and now um, 
now there was an opportunity to to do something with Africa, mm. which yeah. was great. Yeah. I mean, do you find that with that long process, you know, so after you have finished Win Win and you think, right, we're going to resurrect this, mm-hmm. do you do you find there are times when you just have to grit your teeth and say, right, I'm going to do this? I mean, because presumably, you know, like any any activity, there are, there are good days and bad days, mm-hmm. and, and it's, there's a sort of grit and determination to mm-hmm. see this through to mm-hmm. the end. I mean, how, how do you sustain yourself during that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't have a clue. I mean, are you, are you yeah. thinking, you're, you're looking forward to that moment when it's in the can? No, actually I'm not. So I I uh, I don't I'm not very well in touch with myself I guess because I don't <laughs> you need know. to see someone about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I just don't know how it uh, works mm-hmm. because uh, my wife too, she she works as a journalist. So her um, the, what do you call it? The arc from mm-hmm. the beginning of the story till it's published, it's much shorter. Even yeah. when it's a feature article that yeah. she does a lot of research and interviews. It's gonna be much shorter, yeah. and she's always uh, she she doesn't understand how I can stomach this all the, all this crap. I mean, do you enjoy the, the actual process of being on set and seeing things come to life? See that, <laughs> or is that I'm I I'm I'm getting better at it, but at the same time, it's getting more difficult to get uh, good at it because. Uh, the financing is is getting less and less right. through the years, and the cost of of producing is getting more. So you get less time, so you're more stressed out, and stress is quite bad for mm-hmm. uh, enjoyment of what you're doing. Yes. So you're just trying to get it all in the can, and uh, so. But um, yeah, it's, it's it is really difficult um, at. All, all along the uh, process. I mean, it's amazing so, that any films get made at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really a miracle. Yeah. yeah, it's a really it's really a miracle. Um, unless they're really made for profit, so somebody sees there's this idea, um, people will buy this for sure, and they mm. pour in loads of money, and it will work for sure. You know, mm. and then the um, this is really a type of filmmaking that is very strange to me because the final product is not uh, uh, important because the money will be made before the word of mouth gets out and tells people this is really awful so this is kind of a and it can be a good film but it can equally be a bad film and the business is not really connected to that hmm. so it's just the amount of money that you put it's into a, the marketing it's very much a product yeah yeah so and would, do you yeah. think I mean this is probably a gross caricature but that seems to be the impression one has, say, between the difference between a, a lot of European filmmaking and Hollywood. Or is that unfair? That's unfair, I think, yeah. To European or Hollywood? <laughs> Both. Because, I mean, uh, we don't have this tradition of making a lot of money uh, because, I mean, because of the language also, basically, right? right? So, so um, but, the, but the French and the, and the German, and especially uh, the English... They try to do these big mm-hmm. uh, blockbuster films uh, whenever they uh, can. Mm. Because, I mean, from a financing point of view, do you want to get your money back? Mm. Or <laughs> do you want uh, to lose it? Of course you want your money back. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a problem when you're making something. There are no guarantees. No. 
And uh, also, I as a director, I'm I'm not very good at reassuring all along the way, uh, like the broadcasters and the producers, that uh, it will be a great film uh, for sure. Because oftentimes, I think we're just completely in the dark. Mm. It will be terrible. And then when I see the rushes, I I have to. I really need a couple of days to to. Um, yeah, it's not depression is a big word, but it really makes me sick to see what I have done. Mm. And then you need just uh, people. And yet you're the captain of the ship. You need yes. to keep everyone going. Right. So then I just turn off my phone and I, <laughs> I live in a different city from where we usually work. Right. So I, 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 am really, I want to make sure that I don't run into somebody who's connected to the project who's going to ask me, how are we doing? Because they just invested a yes. month of their life, their, uh, maybe yeah. their family life yeah. suffered from it, and I'm going to tell them, oh, I don't <laughs> have a clue. I feel yeah. very bad. So oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm also, the other thing that really interests me is the relationship between being a writer and being a director. And because I think you've, you've sometimes written for other people to direct. And have you no, not yet. Not oh, yet. Right. Yeah. You're going to. Yeah. Have you directed other people's writing? Yes, yes, yeah. So it's lovely. Yeah, it's is that very easier? nice. Well, if they are willing to uh, listen to me, because I, I, I am, uh, I'm a very, uh, do you call it critical reader? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have your own voice and vision for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I cannot uh, take a script and and take it as a blueprint and yep. this is the way we will shoot it. Mm-hmm. So it's always in the phase of. Um, four-page outline mm. that I get on board. And so we, we part of the struggle, we do it together. But it is really nice to have somebody who, who takes all my ideas mm. and then, of course, his knowledge, which goes uh, farther because he's, he's into the project deeper already. Mm. And then he makes the decision at that, the decisions at, at that point. Mm. It's, really, it's really nice. Mm. Yeah. And... Um, from a sort of a worldview point of view, I mean, you know, every narrative uh-huh. has its place in a grand narrative of some description, whatever that is. Hmm. Um, and yet there's a sort of dialogue, I guess, between individual characters and working out how they might respond in a context, and yet some overarching purpose or values. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you find that sort of interaction in your writing and thinking about... I mean, you know, in... in New World, there were clearly some very sort of redemptive um, and hopeful ideas in there, even though it was dealing with some very mm. grim mm. Um, predicaments. So mm-hmm. I wonder how, how you allow a worldview and um, you know, a sort of a confidence in, in some bigger picture to influence the very specific. Mm. I try to be very uh, unconscious about it. So the way I, I uh, uh, view the world, it it must end up in something that I, I spend so much time uh, on. So because I work on it, mm. it uh, my beliefs uh, will will end up in it, and in over and over again. Way. Yeah, just an organic way. Yeah. And when I, I have the idea that I'm, I'm trying to uh, impose things that I believe about uh, life on, on other people, I, I, get, uh, I have all these alarm bells uh, mm. uh, going off. Do you think you can't produce good art 
if you're doing that? I mean, what, where's the line between good art and propaganda, say? I don't know. There's there's this. Uh, I think New Zealand painter that I once went to. I I I can't think of his name right now. But he is this uh, Christian painter, and he did all these uh, very biblical um, uh, scenes. He's a modern artist, mm -hmm. and uh, in a very literal way. But then the audience uh, didn't take away uh, enough um, of the, the good news, the, the gospel, from his paintings. So what he started to do in the end was make these, um, what do you call them, that you have in, in, um, in cartoons. There's the bubbles. Yes, yeah, speech bubbles. Speech bubbles. So if you go to his uh, art shows, these amazing paintings, very detailed, very colorful and rich, and I really love them. And there's uh, speech bubbles that give you uh, the message. And actually... It is great art. This, this was in our um, uh, Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art, and, right. and he is recognized as, a, as, a, as you know, one of the artists that count uh, today. So it's it's difficult to make any rules about what. I mean, if you describe that from a theoretical point of view, yeah. that terrible. would be so terrible <laughs> and childish. But uh, the it way works. he did it, it's just because I was thinking you know, of it, um, I. Th someone like that, someone like Stanley Spencer, I don't know whether you come across no, his paintings, no, but no. he was an astonishing 20th century British artist, but painted biblical scenes, but set in his hometown mm. on the Thames in oh, the modern right. day. Oh, right. And they're all people he knew from the town. Mm. Um, and there's nothing schmaltzy or, you know, sort of picture book Bible type feel about it. They're very contemporary and, and mm. very, very powerful as a result and much loved. Mm. So it's interesting that um, he's trying to do something like that, but I think by the sound of it, in a more authentic way in a way. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that uh, in art there it's very hard to uh, to make any rules about mm. what one should or, or sh uh, shouldn't uh, do. I just... So would you reject yeah. even the category of Christian art? See, that's, for example, uh, it might be stupid, but I just uh, refuse to put a lot of thought into mm -hmm. uh, uh, thinking about that. Yeah. Because um, for me, the, 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 the world is just uh, where my uh, inspiration uh, comes from. I believe in God, I believe he influences uh, the world, but um, that is uh, unseen, mm -hmm. that is something that is unseen. Mm -hmm. So uh, oftentimes I work with the uh, Humanist Broadcasting Corporation, uh, because when you're capturing a film, it is very difficult to capture something unseen, because it's a visual <laughs> medium. Yes. So uh, the Russians, they succeed, like Tarkovsky, I think that he, <coughs> he was able to capture some some supernatural sense in his films. I really, I, I think that's amazing that he did that. But it's really far away from, from uh, most uh, religious people trying to make their um, films mm -hmm. religious. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's way off. So, and Tarkovsky, he really, um, yeah, he's, he was special. Mm. And, and I, I, I'm not sure, maybe if I'm 30 years older, maybe I, that I become, uh, I don't know, more, more like him, and that I will try to experiment to capture a sense of the supernatural. Mm. 
But now I, I uh, oftentimes just limit myself to the things that I can um, that I can see, and and so if if people are uh, religious, if they if they believe in God, that can be part of a of a narrative, mm. of course, because they're all around I mean, us. This right? is very and interesting because um, it strikes me that that there is a sort of worldview. Um, principle at work there that in a way there isn't necessarily a distinction between natural and supernatural that actually the whole of life mm -hmm. is is part of a sort of gift mm -hmm. and and so the the, the 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 theological and if you want to call it supernatural is involved in the very mundane and it strikes me maybe there's a there's a, a dutch heritage here particularly you know you think of dutch paintings around the time of the Reformation that are wonderfully earthy and, you know, it's people in their kitchens, people making bread or um, people walking around a town, which is a, such a contrast to the sort of mythological or biblical scenes of the Italian Renaissance mm -hmm, and so on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, do you think there's a bit of a Dutch thing there? That's interesting. Yeah, I guess we are a pretty pretty uh, down to earth. Mm. And, I mean, uh, you say what you think, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we don't even think, we just say it. <laughs> No, but yeah, so that's interesting. And uh, I mean, there is a tendency now, for example, in cinema to be uh, either very... Um, I don't know, I'm not a philosopher, so I, it's, it's hard to know where it comes from. But mm. it seems that, uh, that, that, that we're anxious... I mean, as a whole, as as like the hum humans in the West, mm. because I don't know, it's there's so many age. reasons. Yeah, and uh, and uh, so a lot of <coughs> the reaction against that is uh, is uh, just sentimentalism, mm. and a lot of so as basically films that are a way of escaping a life that is uh, too complicated to to understand. So then we'll just create a narrative that is is just. Uh, you know, nice and pink and fluffy sort and uh, balls, a happy ending yep. and uh, yeah. And then and then the other extreme uh, seems to be that um, we're going to be really true about life and we're going to be uh, as harsh as possible. And uh, it goes under the name of uh, realism. Mm. And and but if you if you see films that that uh, claim to be uh, realist. They're extremely harsh, and I think that's just not. It's not both of them. They're 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 not true. I mean, we're living obviously in in a very um, I don't know what to say. But the times are not they're not easy, you know. Mm -hmm. And and everything is so global, and and there's no way to to remove yourself from problems. At the end, the other end of the uh, world, uh, so the, they're kind of they have become our problems, but in a sense they're not really real to us. Mm. So we can see them, we can pay money, uh, they affect our lives, but also they're not they're not within our um, sphere of direct influence. Mm. So that so it, it, I also have this feeling of being torn between places and. And so, I mean, so there's a lot of, of stuff that we need to deal with. But then just to to show the brutality of of life and say this is this is reality, this is realism, and show it in such a crude way that it will be on people's mind for the next ten days. Uh, it's 
that works like porn, basically. Mm. You just show uh, an, an image that has a physical imprint. Mm. I, um, I, I don't think that is... If you have an audience that is so skilled in watching films, why are you, are, are you going by the route of, of just making a physical imprint? Yeah. I don't. So it has to be somewhere in between. Yeah. Th- there is hope. I, I see a lot of hope in in people's lives yeah. and in people who are able to change to a certain degree. But then to say that uh, ev- all all is well that ends well. Yeah. No. So yeah. And and what is striking about the new world is is how much hope there is there. And, and yet, what really also struck me was people outside that refugee centre, as well as inside, are so broken. And, and there's a sort of meeting there, and it's, it takes a broken man from Africa to be a redemptive person for this broken woman who works there. And it's an astonishing coming together in the midst of real horror and tragedy and pain. Um, and that's that's the hope only works because it's in the reality of that situation. I mean, was that a sort of conscious aim? Do you think? Oh, this is your um, this is what you have taken from seen. the yeah. yeah, and and so um, yeah. So it, in the process of making it, like I, I try to uh, explain it, I try to be real to the to the characters mm. so uh, what is she like and and what is the amount of change that a person can mm. uh, make mm. uh, no well yeah, how, yeah. how much can she change yeah. in 10 days and also um, and of course then it's fiction so it is a it, it is not a documentary it's not something that truly happened mm. so and and people have seen stories like this before so you also then play with the, the the boundaries. But it has to be plausible, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That, so for you, me, that is important. I so think. You're, you're sitting there thinking, I know this didn't happen, but it could happen. Right. Yeah. But then, for example, the scene where uh, she's washing the yeah. windows, it is, uh, I call it the Tati scene, because Jacques Tati, he made these very striking visual uh, scenes that are, you know, about people that are removed from each other from mm. glass and mm. and so then he starts to to mimic the movements of her uh, cleaning the window and and so they're opposite each other the glass between them and 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 it almost becomes uh, like a, a dance yeah and uh, i mean is that plausible mm. so that's at that point yeah the film but it's communicating something isn't right it? yeah in in yeah so i suppose maybe I mean, in a sense, that was almost a little sort of a ballet excerpt. And, you know, you go to a ballet or an opera mm-hmm. and, you know, it is as implausible as it gets mm-hmm. at one level. But the, the experiences and the emotions and the communication, that's the, where the plausibility lies. Right. So yeah. you might not get someone dancing like that, but the, the, the sort of connection that they make... Mm-hmm. Isn't that the key? That's uh, the plausibility, right? Yeah, but in film, it's it's more difficult than in the theater because um, in the theater you know that uh, I am here and the actors are on a stage, and so it's always uh, kind of this—it's plastic in mm-hmm. a sense. I mean, um, 
you can sense that this is not real and it will never be real. So emotionally, it may become real. Mm. Or the things you, that you feel when, when you see it. But in film, there is always the um, implied uh, realism. Mm. Because you're watching uh, actual people. Mm. that are so. And because you might be watching your film immediately after the news. Mm. Um, and... You've seen live maybe. footage yeah. of a right. yeah. of a refugee centre right. on the news, and mm. then suddenly this comes on, right. and you you actually have to make a conscious adjustment to recognise this is this mm. is not a, a direct continuation, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm always uh, try, trying to find a way to yeah to be plausible, but then within that to kind of bend. Mm. Uh, the rules, or the, I mean, it's not the, the general rules, but it's the rules that you create within the universe of the film. And you try to be very strict, and it gives a lot of um, um, grip for all the people who work on the film. So there, there's always kind of a, a Bible of, of the universe of the film, and everybody has to stick to that. Mm -hmm. But then I myself, of course, am trying to then kind of get out of, the, of that box... Because at a certain point it, it becomes a little bit uh, yeah. choking. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, let me let me finish with a few sort of bullet questions. Okay. And um, you can choose to answer or not to answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't ask about any criminal records or anything like that. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, what is what is the greatest film that's ever been made? In your opinion. Oh, I'm afraid I cannot. Okay, answer. what is your favorite film? I don't have a favorite film. What is your favorite film this week? Um, I mean, I know how you know people ask me what my favorite music is or whatever, and it changes. But right, right. Um, I'm gonna say, um, the Return by Andrei uh, Zvagintchev. Right, that's not one I know. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. It's a, it's a Russian uh, <laughs> film, and I think he's really a, a descendant of uh, Tarkovsky. Hmm. But he made a film that can be seen by audiences that are not really into film, so that would probably fall asleep uh, at the Tarkovsky uh, film. He he made it as a how long a thriller. Uh, it's so in a sense, but in a sense, it's completely about something else. So it's a very it's a very smart film. Hmm. So how, when was that made? In 2003, I think. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, do you get influences from other art forms? I mean, are there you know, particular books or photographs or painters or music? I mean, there was a lot of atmospheric music in, mm. um, in the New World. I mean, yeah. do you sometimes listen to something and get a, a, a mood and that spurs you on to something? Or um, do you listen to a lot of music? I listen to a lot of music, but but and so uh, one of the artists that I was listening to uh, many years ago is uh, Mikko Echersman, or his band is at the close of every day, and just called him up and and said, "You're not, you know, a film composer, but I think that this could work," and that's how our uh, collaboration uh, started. So, yeah, so there was uh, an inspiration. Uh, mm -hmm. There in Win Win, there, there's an artist called David Eugene Edwards, who's from the South in America, and he makes this very—it's almost apocalyptic <laughs> folk music that is so harsh and uh, and and 
being in the city of London with all the glass and the, it was the complete opposite. And I really liked it somehow that there was this juxtaposition. Uh, yeah, juxtaposition. Yeah. So that that happens a lot. A lot of uh, uh, photography. Um, I mean, the web is so great for that. Yeah. yeah. You can now even search by uh, uh, find a similar image. Yeah. You know. Fantastic. And also in fl in Flickr, yep. you know, Flickr, yeah, you, you, there's people make sets of photos, and so then you discover different uh, photographers, and but but oftentimes it is just the you know the mag Magnum photographer. Yeah, well, that's the sort of the, just, the yeah, Everest, isn't Then it? you don't have to f to look so far, and uh, and then it's there. Lo most of the times, um, documentaries tend to be a bigger inspiration than fiction films, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, Why is that? Uh, I have uh, maybe it's a too uh, uh, platonic, but I have the sense that um, there's reality there that is very complex to interpret. Then a documentary maker he has already made an interpretation, but that is somehow closer to the thing that he portrays <laughs> than if a fiction <laughs> filmmaker would have done it. So then fiction would be another step removed somehow from reality. So what would be a great documentary that you've seen recently that you've come away thought, oh, I wish I'd made that? Um, let's see. I remember one about a war photographer. I think it's called War Photographer. It's about one of the Magnum photographers and have this camera on his I think he has a helmet or a mm -hmm. cap and so you can see what he sees and then you see of course the pictures that he makes I thought that was a very interesting mm. one mm. also very moving to see uh, how the um, violence that he saw it it disabled him to be uh, just a normal man in um, in back in New York because everything was trivial yeah. and so then after a couple of weeks he had to go back to another war wow. because it was more real in yeah. a sense yeah interesting um and just finally what what does the future hold <laughs> is that a bullet uh, what do you call it <laughs> like a, <laughs> yeah i just okay. want a simple simple one <laughs> sentence answer I mean, this um, the new world is on Dutch TV. What in April was it? May? April, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and presumably yeah. in time, hopefully, it'll be on iTunes and yeah, 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 probably yeah, and DVD and everything. Mm. Yeah, so that will be good. Um, yeah, there, there's um, there's there's several projects, but it's always difficult to to yeah. talk about them in yes. this three uh, sentence uh, sure. uh, way. One of the things that I'm very excited about, but uh, that is very unsure, is that my my uh, wife she's doing a murder report in a small religious village in the Netherlands, and uh, a guy was uh, he was um, by the local fisherman found in the channel after nine months. He had been there; his wow. body had been there nine months, and his, uh, the body was weighed down with concrete. And um, basically, when the police came in, everybody was sorry that the fisherman had got him out because if you don't have a dead body you also don't have a murderer yeah. and everybody was quite happy that uh, that he died because he was such a terrible man is what everybody says but when you have a small community where everybody says he was such a terrible man then 
it becomes very eerie, right? Yes. So she started with a uh, with a colleague to investigate this uh, story, and 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 it's a, it's it could be a very interesting wow. uh, fiction film, I think. Wow! Yeah. Well, we look forward to that. Um, yeah, thank you so much for your time and conversation. It's been really, really interesting and exciting. Thank you. Cheerio. <laughs>